Okay, do you have any questions or concerns before we get started? <laughs> no. If I mess up, can you just edit it? Yeah, I mean, we're not doing it live. Underway here at the Dummy Run Podcast, a Minnesota United leaning MLS podcast that may mention the USL from time to time. I'm Alistair Kraken, and they are nobody because Grant is not with us today. He is busy today. He couldn't make it. We know we couldn't push off another week, so we decided to have a little guest host by committee. First, I am jumping on with the man himself, Mr. Brightside, David Vinji, to talk all things Minnesota versus Colorado. Then, by popular demand, we are going to be joined by my beautiful fiance Mika, where she is going to talk to us about her thoughts on Minnesota United, stadium food do's and don'ts, and also throw some inspirational quotes in there for you. So, let's start with David Vinji. All right, and as promised, we are honored, blessed, joyed to be joined by Mr. Brightside himself, David Vinji. David, how does it feel to be on the other side of the curtain? As someone who has spent so much time trying to peek behind it, it's got to be exhilarating. None of those things are true. <laughs> uh, I won't take any questions. I'll be doing all the talking. <laughs> Perfect. Just dive into a 45-minute monologue. <laughs> No way, we'd expect nothing less. Um, all right, so let's let's jump right in and let's just get into the match itself. So, after the dismal performance in the prior week versus Austin, you and I and Grant had a lot of conversations around whether or not we would see a different lineup. You know, we all drew on the whiteboard around what it looks like to drop Reynoso and where do you fit a new in and all this stuff going into the match. If you can think back. How confident were you you would actually see anything different on match day versus what we always see? Nothing was going to change, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's the beauty of this, though, is we get to talk for forever and ever and ever, and then match day rolls around, and, you know, we're all either geniuses or idiots in hindsight. You only remember the times you're geniuses. But I think we eventually got to the point where we thought nothing was going to change. And it's a home match against a, a winnable, in a winnable game, beatable opponent, however you want to phrase it. And ultimately, nothing changes, right? Right. Well, and we heard the quote before, like, it's time for the front four to prove themselves. And you're like, okay, there's your final piece that we're not seeing anything different. We did hear that Metonair hurt himself more or again or set himself back, whatever you want to call it. So we knew that we weren't going to see him. And while we heard that, that Chase Gasper was coming back from the mandatory or whatever it was called, uh, we figured we wouldn't see him in just yet. So we saw... Uh, we saw Lawrence uh, out on the out on the left and Dotson go back and right. Um, we did see Will Trapp, who was sitting on four red cards and did pick up his fifth. So next week we'll have something different there. Uh, and then we saw the re the reentry of Fregapani, which I think has been a welcomed welcomed return. He is a big piece that I think we it's easy to forget how much you missed him. But it, it did feel going in like we're gonna see the same four that we always see, which I was a little disappointed about, but immediately got over that and became hopeful. Yeah, I mean, you know you know my perspective on that. I'm in the camp of those are the four kind of until they're not. And I mean, really, they haven't gotten a chance to play together yet. 
um, in this season with anything that I'd call continuity. Um, and it was just, it was fun to see them all together. Cause I mean, I think the f- nice thing is we finally, especially with Armory up top, we finally have a bit of a balance struck between the four. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, how he acclimates as the season goes on. And I know that sounds crazy to say, considering he played for us, you know, prior to this stint, but, um, just having these players together in the way that we do. And honestly, especially, you know, we can talk about Heath for forever and ever and ever. There's probably a Heath specific podcast by now, but, um, featuring Harrison. Um, but we, uh, you get on him a lot, you know, for the idea of this four, two, three, one. Um, but it's really hard when you then go and you watch a game like that, where it's like so much consistency and we didn't, you know, yeah, we looked like conceding from time to time, but like we create chances like we do create some chances. It's just that final ball that's unfortunately letting us down from time to time. It sure seems like it. And, you know, we'll get into the match here. You know, it, first off, it was a very busy match, especially first half from the referee's perspective. Uh, we had three, four cards in the first 35 minutes, basically. Uh, one of those was a red card, which was then rescinded. Um, one of them was a time-wasting call on their goalie in the 32nd minute, which I thought was great to like start calling that right away. Um, the red card, you rewatched it. I, re- I rewatched the highlights. How do you feel about Jack Price having the red card rescinded after VAR? I, don't, I mean, at this point, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't even know what a foul is anymore half the time. <laughs> v- VAR in itself is is just, you know, it's amazing. You think back to what it was when we're like, yeah, you know, VAR is going to fix everything. And we get cameras. It's going to be super objective. Everything's fixed, man. We won't even need referees. Are you someone who wishes Vieira went away completely? Well, that's a whole different conversation, but yes. Um, okay. You would, you would no, like to go no. back to the time of no VAR, not even on the most obvious calls. Just don't touch it. That's, that's too much to open right now. I, I think, you know, the idea, the stupidity for me is clear and obvious, right? Like clear and obvious to what? When we get down to the pixel, you know, clear and obvious to the the naked eye in a like actual playing of the event in live time from a specific camera angle. I mean, I have no idea. I, I sure uh, when it's a goal, it should definitely. I mean, if it, the ball crossed the line and we didn't pick up with the tech, you know, whatever, then absolutely VAR has its place. But I mean, when we're rescinding things that are you know diddy didn'ty, I mean, I I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not willing to go there. It's a messy subject. I think this red card was I was good with it being rescinded actually. The when you it was they did it on like the MLS replay or whatever call um and it did look like while the tackle looked very dangerous in retrospect he actually touched him very little. So I was fine with that being called and again that's in the 36th minute. Um just a few for uh 10 minutes later, 8 minutes later, uh Baki Debasi scores off a recycled Emmanuel Reynoso corner kick. Which let's just pause there, and then we'll continue on with the VAR conversation in three minutes here. Uh, finally, a cross in from Reynoso's right foot. This year, he has been almost childish in his insistence on using his left foot. I mean, it, like childish in the sense like it's something you would expect like a high school kid to do. It, there has been at least three goal, or maybe two goals this year that he should have shot on his right, and he tried to get so he tried so hard to get to his left that he lost it. I was happy to see him just accept it and use his right foot and it was great 
Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's funny because the more games we get to watch Reynoso, obviously, um, we're not even the ones scouting him week to week. We're just casual observers who love watching this team. But I mean, you can start to realize how, and I wouldn't even say reliant because he's obviously a phenomenal soccer player. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy the guy can very obviously do it with his right foot. He just is so so left footed. Yeah, you know, he obviously does amazing things with it. But I just I never realized it. As early on, um, you know, first season we got him, you know, quarter season, whatever you want to call it, and then never really realized until this year. You're exactly right. There are multiple opportunities where it's like, just just put it on your right, just have it. You now put your foot through it. Something's gonna happen, yeah. and then there's the pause. Try to pull back, drag back, whatever you want to say, to the left foot, and then like the opportunity's gone. So right, it's not even like see. we're saying like you're trying like a bending shot from like the corner of the 18 with his right foot, like. You're through on goal. Just like kick it, even if your right foot is a literal stump. Oh, throw you're gonna your be toe at it. Fine. Man. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, it's hilarious because I'm sitting here critiquing a guy <laughs> who I would ultimately say is the. I, and you know, Homer aside, this is a conversation we've had before too. Where I mean, it's like, you know, show me a midfielder that's that's better than Reynoso. And I know there are, I know there are candidates. I, I know there are, but I just think, especially the way that he fits into this offense and the things that he's asked to do on a weekly basis mm-hmm. for us. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll reference it at some point in time, but David Gass's perspective yeah. on Reynoso was, was perfect this week. Yeah, let's circle back to that at the wrap-up. Yep. Uh, good for DeBossi, too. Like, he's always in there on goal and has been close so many times. Um, and it was good to see him get one in. I thought that Yarbo did not have a good game overall, and I think this one might have been his worst goal. I think Giannisi had a shot at all three, basically. Uh, maybe not Maybe not Lude's goal. But uh, Abu's and this goal, where I think we're kind of soft on his part. Um, but let's move on back to the VAR conversation. So, 45th minute, Diego Rubio scores after a through ball comes through, as they will. And it is kind of on Debasi. I don't know why he tried to do this. So, it comes through in the way that Debasi, Rubio, and Dane St. Clair all meet basically like at the top of the 18. And at the last minute, Debasi decides that he's going to slide and kick the ball onward. So in the same direction that it's coming at him from, he's going to kick it harder so that it goes pat quicker. But all it really does is kind of kicks it directly into Rubio, but beats Dane St. Clair with that ball. Um, It ends up just like basically rolling in the goal after that point. And it's 1-1 at, yeah, the 45th minute. But... Then they rule it on offsides. So offsides, no goal. Offside. I'm trying to get better about not saying sides. Offside. going to correct you. No goal. VAR would have corrected you. I'm not yeah, going VAR to. Yeah, VAR would have been like, there was definitely a little bit of an S in there. Uh, go to VAR, and they determined that since Debasi kicked the ball onward and made an intentional play on it, that resets offside, and the player is now onside again and is fully allowed to play that ball. But my issue is that by the way the rule is written or like by the way that they're describing it, yes, totally get it. No issue. I get how that play works and I get how a player touching the ball resets it basically. But my issue is like, first off, if you're, if the player is offside up at the start of the play, why is it like, why does the play continue on past that? If he is making an effort to continue to play the ball, like if a, if a player is standing in front of the goalie, and either shields him or makes a run that makes the goalie have to go in a different direction and then the ball goes in, that can still be offside. So I don't understand why in this situation, despite the fact that the player was offside and didn't 
despite the fact the player was offside and was making a play on the ball, he was still allowed to finish the play and take part in the play just because something happened that reset it. You get what I mean? I do. I, saw, I tweeted about this and I saw that you liked it. So I'm curious to know your thoughts and if my explanation or reasoning makes any sense. I at all. think the thoughts go back to your initial thoughts and then like per the quote unquote rule, it's correct. But the flip side is, you know, it opens up a new thing for me because I've always thought the same thing. It's like when they talk about like, well, they weren't they weren't influencing the play or they weren't in the line of the side of the keeper or they weren't whatever. But but I've always felt like if you think about it as like a like a center back or a fullback or something and there's a player standing over here. You're obviously thinking about them. You're marking them. You're doing something with them. So, like, if they're in an offside position and you're considering them, and I know this gets super murky at this right. point in time, but, like, if I had to consider that player, you know, odds are even my half step to the right, they might be off, but they weren't in the play, quote, unquote. And then when I'm trying to recover, suddenly, I mean, it, it gets it gets muddy at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, really, it's, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's the rule, Alex. I know it is the rule and I don't know what the answer is because I am also not I'm not I'm neither in the camp that I think VAR should go away entirely nor am I in the camp that like I have I want VAR to be making more decisions you know See, like, I think you have to decide who is the salt shaker and who is the pepper in that scenario and then it makes everything that much more clear mm-hmm, perfect because if the ketchup is behind this but there has to be something right because because also we see this with like corner kicks like the, the the official won't put up his his flag to see what happens to VAR because if a goal is scored, they'll go back and take a look. But then the ball goes out for a corner kick, and that's the end of the play. And now like they let a play go that they were gonna that they otherwise would have stopped because they want to see what happened. But then once it goes out for a, a corner kick instead of a, instead of going in for a goal, they no longer go back and review it, and the other team gets a corner kick off of something they never should have gotten a corner kick off of. I think even worse is when you see it where it's like the ball's played over the top to like the far right side to a player running onto it who's onside, but there was someone else who was 10 yards offside on the left side. They weren't part of the play, but they were about to be a part of the play when the player running onto the ball gets to the ball, squares it across to a player who's now onside, yeah. you know, for basically a tap. I mean, that's that's where, I mean, it just, it's so complicated. I mean, unless you go to like a zero tolerance. Maybe you need like a, you know, you do like a fair catch a fair catch in football. You're getting into like you're almost getting into like icing type stuff yeah. at that point in time. I yeah. mean, you're getting into blue line things, and it's just that. You know, it goes the opposite way, though, right? You know, you talk about taking away VAR. You look at the fact that there have been people that are genuinely proposing, you know, this for years already, but genuinely proposing the idea of doing away with offside. Can you imagine taking away the offside rule? How would you do that? Why you would just, you do that? You just stop playing offside. Like it's been a conversation for a bit as they explore rule changes and things. It's been proposed a couple of times, and it's no way. I mean, you think about the way that it's changed. Yeah, look it up. Go for it. Um, you look at the way that things it would change things. I mean, if you could effectively stand inside the six yard box with whoever you want, and then a defender has to be there, knowing that the ball could potentially be played, it would it would ruin the game. Yeah. I mean, in my no, opinion, that's absurd. It would ruin the game, right? There's I've a seen people. I've seen people talk about like having it be like the like the goal line technology based like in on players' bodies or something, so you can actually like, to the to the nth degree decide if someone was offside or not. Which I am also not for because I don't think that's the that's not the intent of the rule. We're already, I mean, we're already splitting hairs. I mean, quite literally when it comes to checking VAR, right? <laughs> I mean, it's you get to a point where it's like, you know, there, you see too where it's like, oh, okay, let's take away arms. Arms aren't, you yeah. know, you can be offside with your arms or your upper body. You know, it's your feet, your legs, your, right. your playable surfaces, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, I, I don't know. My argument like, is maybe making it less specific would actually help. So we say that clear and obviously offsides. Well, as cameras, as cameras get better and better, it's much more easy to say, 
well, that's clear and obvious because look, I can see that his finger is a little bit beyond it. Maybe what we need to do is like something more like broad, like did they gain an advantage from the amount that they were offside? So if you're if you're just a pair offsides, okay, that's not the point of the rule. The point is were you standing enough offsides offside that the defender was not able to to make up the gap that you had or or even if a player is offside but the defense has a chance to recover and then they score off a totally different play, maybe we decide that's better. And again, it all gets murky. There is no that clear answer. That's way more clear. But <laughs> <laughs> but so what I'll never understand and like you know, you look at the way that some other leagues have decided to do VAR and it's like how is there not a consistent central office that deals mm-hmm. with these things, a consistent VAR individual? You know, we, we talk about, we bring in all the time, you know, so-and-so uh, referee, you know, Clattenburg, or we bring in somebody that's, a, the, you know, Howard Webb, who are experts in the, in the areas of refereeing. You know, in what way have we not, as far as VAR goes, send it to a guru of sorts? Um, you know, say what you want about pro referees, um, but why, why not go to an actual uh, group of people who are going to consistently rule on it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I think, the biggest thing that just destroys you with VAR is it's like before VAR, there were obviously massive inconsistencies. And then all of a sudden VAR comes around and there's somehow more where it's like, you know, this week this was a foul and next week it's not. You know, this was offside and it's not. Yeah. You know, you just, you look at those things that were supposedly supposed to be fixed and VAR, <laughs> if anything, has just given us all the chance to be able to stop, start, slow, whatever. Right. Um, it hasn't proven... Being able to watch it back again has not removed the human no. component from it. It's well, just it's like so, prolonged. The, the it. irony, it's so thick when it's, you know, everything overturned is clear and obvious. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I but mean, at the same time, for, what, I, again, like that's about VAR. Yeah. And I'm still like, <laughs> I'm not in the conversation that I think we should get rid of it because there are times where it's like, oh, you're right. I totally missed that. Like that guy was standing over there or like, you're right. He did. It did hit his waist, not his hand. Like there are like clear and obvious situations that like I hate to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So like that's why I still like am trying to figure out solutions that could solve this. And if you, you, I also hate the idea of just always adding more rules. You know, I think in the last you five years we've added more rules. What, what my official stances on VAR, like, I mean, we've already gone there. I, I wasn't answering to avoid going there, but here we are. Um, <laughs> there is a moderation point with it, right? I mean, there's 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 a point you get to with it where it, we need it. We can't go back. You can't just yeah. cold turkey say we had it, now we don't. Because the, you know that the, in week one, there's going to be a handball that's not a handball. The ball's going to cross the goal line, and Tech isn't going to pick it up in some league, and, you know, it's going to be whatever. Uh <laughs> It's, it would be really hard to go back at this point in time. But I do think it's like anything. You know, we've had it. We've experimented with it. We know, you know, I say we very loosely, like the general soccer watching public has opinions about it one way mm-hmm. or another. And it's like, I feel like with anything, if you can get that moderation point of like, yeah, you're right. I mean, if the ball hit their hand and we didn't see it, I want to know that the ball very right. clearly hit their hand. But we've turned it into this witch hunt and I almost feel worse for the referees because I mean, when they walk over to the, the monitor and they check, you know, they're standing there watching something from 17 different angles. Right. And one angle, it's a handball. The other angle, it's not a handball. And they're getting the benefit of the doubt to slow it down and take a look and whatever. And I mean, at that point in time, it's, I'm not saying it's a coin flip, but I mean, it makes sense that, right. I mean, and then you, oh, no, by the way, it's, you have to be clear and obvious. Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, I think, and I hope, I hope we can just get better at, at the way we determine things, the way we go to like the mindset we're at when we go up to the booth. I think, I think if you're making a call versus overturning a call, you should be, I think you should be more critical of over when you're overturning, I think you should be more specific when you're, if there was a handball that wasn't a handball, I think you should be more willing to overturn that than 
if there was a handball that didn't get caught, all of a sudden calling that, you know, like yeah, if the ball hits a hand hard. and no one caught it, like that's soccer, man. There's a human component. I, honestly, I want, I think, you know, going into another fix, I think making, you know, accountability is the wrong word because that can mean a million different things. But the idea of referees explaining their thinking you know, there's a lot of thought in that because I mean, you know, we instead we go to the pundits, we go to the, you know, people like us having conversations right now who we don't know what they're doing. We mm-hmm. don't know what they saw. They saw the monitor. And I'm not saying show us the monitor in live time and show them or whatever, but I mean, there's some conversations surrounding that as well, where it's, you look at some other sports where they're explaining Rugby. in live time. Rugby is yeah. a great one. As soon as the VAR, as soon as VDR comes on, you get a straight feed of the referees talking to each other in the VAR booth. And they're like, all right, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that, yada, yada, yada. And boom. Yep. And I think and, and that I mean, some of that would even just help people. There's ultimate, I mean, you know, transparency is a buzzword, but I mean, there, there's some transparency there as well, right? I mean, and, and by some, I mean lots, but there's, you know, there's obviously other things yeah. going on, but I mean, <laughs> you just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't you, this conversation could be an hour longer. And right. I mean, this wasn't I mean, even a big part of the game and we just This is a perfect summary of VAR. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hope, I, I, I don't think it's going to go out completely. I hope they don't lean the into being more specific. I hope they learn to be less specific, keep like the, the intent of the rules and maybe even begin to develop some type of other like rules around player behavior. If you want to, whatever, you know, like we have joking about taking up, but maybe it is, maybe it's, it's something where a player can indicate he clearly is not taking part in the play anymore. And they're allowed to be in that offset position because as we get more and more camera angles and capture more and more things, it's going to just be harder and harder because there's always going to be something. It's funny um, though because I also I also don't think I don't know. The flip side is the offside rule is fine. The offside rule yeah. is already convoluted. It's already stupid. I mean, there are certain things about it that that don't make sense. You know, like I joke with the pepper shaker thing, but it's like the running joke. You know, can you explain it? <laughs> well, I mean, in these situations, yeah, theoretically, I mean, you start going to the idea of a well, deflection versus a you know intentional play, and you know you right. go back to the Debassi situation like you know did did you intentionally play it in the direction of the player who's offside to then have an advantage you know or did it happen to deflect off of you into a player in an offside position I mean that's that's another pretty murky place to go so I don't know I think the beauty of the game is almost in the murk right right and that's why I want to make sure I'm clear that I'm not someone who's arguing for some future state where I see that no you know wrong call ever gets made I just think we need to work on our consistency. And I think that as we allow things like play on to happen, because we're going to go back and use this new tool, we need to be clear about some of those situations where that ends up not really being the case or really being a fair thing to put on a defender. I'm, I'm right there with you. All right. Halftime. 1-1. One, one. Uh, coming out the halftime. Um, going into halftime, actually. Let's start there. I felt like pretty... Not good. I felt pretty down on the performance. We had some chances we kind of didn't put home, and it felt like we were very much heading towards where we headed the last several games. And that was kind of true for the first, I mean, what, 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes of the second half? Um, you know, Ariaga got a yellow card in the 56th minute. They put on Barrios in the 60th minute. Robin Lude got a yellow card in the 69th minute. And during those times, I didn't necessarily think we were the overwhelming favorite. Um, again, I was obviously at the game, and I haven't had a chance to rewatch it. 
David, I know that you did. Do you remember specifically if the, you know, that first part of the second half before we scored, did we seem like we were on the doorstep or did it seem like much of the same? I don't know. I think I mentioned to you that the first first 10 or so minutes felt a lot better for me watching it, um, or re-watching it, rather. I mean, we're like final ball away on so many opportunities. And it's not just, you know, like, Reynoso's been getting a ton of heat this year. Like, yeah, he's not playing well. Like, we, we get he's not playing well. Like, he knows it. I mean, he would he would say he's not playing well, I'm assuming. Um, but this was, you know, multiple players leaving a ball short, you know, that they wouldn't typically yeah it was you go into the second half I mean I remember just even just being in the stadium I think we had that conversation like I I felt very similar in the fact that like I you hit that point sometimes where you're watching and you're like yeah this might be 1-1 like I hope we hold on you know whatever and then all of a sudden from there it falls into a point where uh we score two goals you know bang bang and it's like we're we're the best team in the conference let's go I mean it's just it's just amazing how much the the vibe can change with you know goals change games man but the uh the mentality at that point in time, I mean, yeah, it, it was, it's tough because, yeah, the rot starts to set in, right? Doesn't it? I mean, yeah. you get to a point where it's like, oh, we haven't scored, haven't created chances. You know, they've had a couple chances that they could have, should have, would have. You know, the post bailed us. Like, I mean, it, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. Here, as your dog grows increasingly unhappy, I will take over. You can over. tell my, my dog is not a fan of that take, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, first off, I misread the, the stats I'm looking at here. 70th minute is when we put on Bongi and Dunlady for Amaria and, Freg- and Fregapane. So 70th minute, they come on. 74th minute, um, Shinichiki gets taken off. We score in the 77th minute. Um, I felt much the same, if not worse. I, I mean, we were standing there in the section, and, and you could tell the section was dead. And for me personally, I was feeling very frustrated of... Of like, I don't want to watch this anymore. This isn't entertaining. If it wasn't for Dane St. Clair having, you know, his best game of the season, I think we're already down, you know, two or two or three to one at that point. Probably more like three to one. Um, he they had a couple really, and honestly, Dane St. Clair and also them, they had one, one, one chance in on goal, um, but they just kind of sent right down the middle to Dane. I think that it very easily could have gotten away from us and, you know, goals change games. I think if they go up, we don't come back from it. Um, but they don't. You know, they they don't take their chances and Dane St. Clair makes good saves. And, like, I also don't want to just pretend like that's not the way that you win soccer games. Like, well, was, sometimes that is what it say. is. I mean, the hard part about, like, I always hear that, you know, it's always like, oh, man, if the goalkeeper hadn't done his job, I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's effectively the take, right? I mean, like, man, yeah. if he went to stop the shots that were coming at goal, I mean, yeah, there are games, like, like don't get me wrong. I mean, I look think back to, like, New York about Red Bulls. I mean, he stood on his head. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did things you're not meant to do. You're not meant to do the things that he did consistently in that game. That's true. This was definitely I mean, not one his of those best is game mentally of the year. true. Good call. What's that? <laughs> I said I earlier. I said this was his best game of the year. This definitely was not his best game of the year. The Red Bulls game was obviously his best. But yeah, yeah, continue. no. But I mean, like, you look at what he did, and I mean, I don't remember. And maybe, maybe I missed this, but I don't remember him making anything. Like, he made some good saves, but I don't remember him making one that was like, oh, my gosh, like, how in the world has he just done that? You know, and yeah, I mean, like I said, like, I think the, it hits the post and, you know, maybe it bounces out rather than in. I mean, yeah, there are things that happen like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think we we took care of business. I mean, that's, that's such a cliche cop-out sports take, but it's like... The hardest part for me with Heath, and not to put it back on Heath, mm. but like he sets us up to be competitive. I mean, defensively we're sound. You know, you look at where those shots were coming from. I mean, 
we don't give away a ton of, and you know, granted this, I'm sure the data would destroy me on this take, but we don't give away a ton of opportunities that are in the six and maybe even go like 18 in mm. that are like, that are like dead set, good look opportunities. It might be like someone made it to the line, crossed it across, you know, played it square and someone was backside, you know, within that penalty spot on to have a first time with the defender in their face. I mean, maybe who knows? Um, but, but we, since, you know, a couple of years ago, whenever you want to put the line in the sand, you know, maybe Opara, Aussie, whatever, that team, we've been set up to not concede. And I mean, that makes us competitive. And I mean, I know that's not sexy. And I know that that's like, we want goals because we know that our team can score goals. And then maybe the playoff run, um, maybe the playoff run wasn't the greatest indicator of where we were at. You know, maybe we overachieved, you know, that can be debated until the end of time. But it's an interesting thing for me to look at this last week's game and think like we beat them 3-1 when a lot of that game didn't feel like that was going to happen. Yeah. Right. Was I mean, well, wasn't that you're just the, as far as the gut feel goes, like you said, right. like standing in the stands. Yeah. Whatever the minute it was, it didn't feel like that was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like I said, we scored two, you know, Abu Dhabi scores the third. Yeah. And then, I mean, you knew that the, the sky was falling at the moment and it was, you know, like you said, Yarbo didn't have a great game, no. but even so that's the difference, right? I mean, Dane makes the saves he should. I think Yarbrough could have scored or could have saved at least two of the three. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the I'm looking at Gameflow, the Twitter account. It's at Gameflow PG, and that's a pretty fun follow. And it was so we had before our first goal, we had some scoring opportunity that was actually marked at higher expected goal, um, which I'm struggling to remember what that was, but um, that was really up there. And then that first half, that second half. They really were on us. We we had almost nothing. We had one good chance, but they were all over us up until the back half of the second half. And then that's when we kind of turned things on our head. And I, you mentioned that Dane didn't have any good saves, and you are just wrong on that one, first off. Uh, he had he had two back to back good or like he didn't have any. Okay, he <laughs> didn't. You used the word okay. He didn't have any Red Bull esque saves, but he did have a double save and then he got up and pumped the crowd up after that and at that point that was the lowest point in the stadium and it got everyone back into the match both in the stands and on the field and when you look at the expected goals there's a clear delineation of like when that chance happened everything flips and we had a couple really good chances and then Robin Lude scores his goal uh, moments later um, off some really good interplay between um, Reynoso, Dotson, and then Ludes in the middle to put it home. And then just two minutes later, Abu Dinladi scores his goal, um, assisted by Robin Lude off of a really nice buildup. Um, I thought that, I thought Yarborough probably could have, maybe should have gotten there. It wasn't hit very well, but it was, I mean, it was one of those that just, you just can't get there kind of, you know, it doesn't have to blast by them. It's just like, it's in a place that he just wasn't in a position to get. Um, maybe he should have. Um, either way it goes in, that's the 79th minute. And then we put Rosales in, in the 83rd, they make some changes in the 83rd as well. And we toss Hayes on at the end, um, as kind of a, a time waster. And we, we roll out with a three, one win after Robin's goal. I still was not confident that we were going to get out of there just because of how bad things looked. But you know, when you score before the smoke has even cleared, obviously that was a different experience from there on out. So 
I don't know that he had any. He he made a couple big saves, but that moment where he got up and actually, Minnesota United tweeted that out from their account. That was like a major turning point in the game, and if nothing else, we owe him the game for that moment. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then that's it. There's the end of the game. Overall, I mean, much much better from Ray. Um, I think that this was, you know, they talked about his family being in town. We talked about him. We didn't need turning on. And I think that he had a much better performance. Um, I think the people around him helped him out with that. Um, Fought Mob had him at an 8.0, which was one of the higher ones on the field. I It was encouraging to see. I still, I think it's still like what David Goss said, and like we alluded to earlier. The problem is, as we go, as as Ray go, we go. As Ray goes, we go. Like we don't really have a plan around just hopefully Reynoso does really, really well tonight and we're able to finish the chances that he creates for us. I think that's true when you look at the way we play. And I think that's true when you look at like Abu's comment, which I feel bad about because the the social media account posted it as kind of like a feel good quote around like, I know what Heath wants from me. I just gotta get out there and try my hardest. But like another way to read it is like, I know what Heath wants from me. Just go out there and try and win the game, which is kind of like in line with what Finley said when he was here around like the strategy and the attack is just kind of try and get it to Ray and hopefully score a goal. Like we're kind of back to the situation where like it's great that we won, but like they definitely could have scored goals and we would have lost. And also like our attack doesn't really have a new identity beyond just like Ray played well tonight and we won. Am I being too harsh? No, I mean, you know my take on Ray. I mean, the problem is, like, we have a certain timeline with the guy, right? I mean, if you're Reynoso, what's keeping you in Minnesota? I mean, realistically, you want to win games. You're in a point in your career where, I mean, I got to believe there'd be suitors if you wanted to be somewhere else. And I, I just feel bad for the guy. I mean, you look at you look at the number of times that he's hacked down um, mm-hmm. on, a, on a nightly basis. I mean, you don't even need the statistic of, like, you know, he's the most followed player. I mean, you don't even need that. You just, you see the times that, like, I would love to know the attempted hacks, you know, like the, the guys, the guys skilled enough to where first guy comes swinging. You know, he does a quick little pullback, pulls to the side, a little croqueta or whatever he decides to do, and flies past somebody. Well, he beat the one, but all of a sudden, like the second one, as he's beating the first, he can't calculate. I mean, it's just, it's insane the amount of heat that that guy takes on himself. And I'm just like, I, I look at the other players that we have, and I, I think we have good players elsewhere, but, but I almost sometimes fault, find myself faulting what they're doing as well. It's like, you know, Reynos is clearly a passer. I mean, he's not, if you had to categorize him, he's a, he's, a, right. he's a passer, he's a playmaker. You know, he's the, one of the purest playmakers in the league. But the problem is, like, it's in anything. If you're a passer, if you don't have runners, you can't pass. Mm-hmm. Or your passes end up getting being pretty stagnated. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this a bit where it's like, I, I like Trap. I like what Trap does. But the flip side is, like, you can't have Trap and then have Ariaga when, you know, Ariaga wants to drive forward, you know, wants to get the ball and push forward. But the problem is, like, Reynoso gets it. And what does he have for options? You know, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that, like, not having Metanera really hurts Reynoso. Yeah. For any, if anything else, it's just it's a release for him. You know, he dribble, dribbles one, dribbles two. No one ahead of him um, is making a decent run to where the ball gets played. Metanera, 90% of the time, is at least, you know, buzzing down that right side to where he can he can either spray it out wide to him, you know, play it, play it in front, you know, whatever it ends up being. It's at least a release. And I think when you look at, like, we play a single striker, you know, you play Lude on the right. You know, Lude's not a guy who wants to run through. Lude wants to combine. I mean, Fregapane, you know, maybe does on the left, obviously, but playing in our 4-2-3-1, those, those wide players are still asked to get back. They're still, mm-hmm. they're still tracking back. And, I mean, 
Meta Nair, I'd love to. I'd love to see the heat maps. I've never actually taken the time to look at them, but like to just to see how often he's either higher than or consistently with that whoever's playing on the right with him. You know, I suppose it'd be lewd more often than not. Like just to see where they are in relation to each other it would be a really interesting look because I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's like the strategy sometimes looks like give Ray the ball, but then the problem is it's like everyone else watches him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, you just watch the off-ball movement sometimes. It's just, it would have to be so frustrating for him. And then you have people coming down on him like, you know, he's not playing well because he misses a couple passes. Well, statistically speaking, how often does the guy have the ball in our attack? I'd be curious to break it down by the touches. And, you know, there's obviously the data for it. I haven't seen it. But, like, how many touches Ray has by yeah. comparison to the rest of our team in a, in a given game. Yeah. So... Where are you at with Ray then? You 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 have no issue with his play this year. Well, I mean, I obviously have an issue with his play, but I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna boil down the problem, I have a really hard time when you you, know, you see pe- people are just the best, right? Like, oh, we should get rid of Ray, drop Ray, all these different things. It's like, yeah, he might need a rest, but you look at like I said, what he's being asked to do on a weekly basis. I mean, he's going to, like, he's just getting killed constantly with no release for the ball. I mean, I, I don't know. This this might play into your hands by saying, you know, he might need a couple strikers ahead of him. Or maybe we have, like, you know, people people hate, hate the the four three three ideas because the way that we've been playing a four three three. But it's like you just look at opportunities and the way that he doesn't have opportunities around him. Because, I mean, how many times, how many times if you're in Oso can you beat one player, um, sidestep another player who came in to kill you, and then your pass is ultimately a ball, a 10-yard ball that you're just dropping back to trap? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. a lot. Of, that's a lot of work, a lot of effort for effectively no return. Yeah, I mean I don't. Uh, yeah, and I'm you know we when we brought in Dunlady and Bongi, you know I think that Dunlady and Lude were very much more kind of in a, you know in a two striker system, and we got we got two goals from it. So there, there's something there, and then I mean now and then the next day we saw with the two team. Um, Unu and Donati play in a two-striker system. So there is there there are conversations going on around what two-strikers means for this team. There's no I, way I, that I you think, can yeah. look past that. Well, and you're right. I mean, I think I think back, and this maybe isn't even fair, but you know, the, when we saw Reynoso at first, you know, when Reynoso was putting up just stupid numbers in that playoff run, you know, we still had Molino. And I know Molino was was a very polarizing character to some, but we had Molino in form going into those playoffs and then during that playoffs. So suddenly we have this attacking trident of, mm-hmm. you know, Lude, uh, Molino, and Reynoso. And beautiful interchanges where, you know, think about it. I mean, Molino was pretty underrated at that point in time. For being slightly overrated, he was pretty underrated. Because <laughs> when he was on, when he was on, he, he was on. He was another player, he was another technical player that teams had to worry about. Right now, I just, and I mean, you've heard me say this so many times. I look at our lineup and I'm like, and the way we play, if you're scouting Minnesota United, we, we are not a difficult team to scout right now, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I say this as a, as a hack who just, you know, has watched soccer. But like, what's your scouting report on Minnesota United? Oh, Ray gets the ball, hack Ray. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, as Ray goes, the team goes. I mean, really, yeah. you take this is what this is my argument against dropping Ray. You drop Ray, you put someone else in. You know, you, we're going to play the same way. You know, we're not we're not going to magically shift it up. And like, we, we, if we do, it's going to be a four three three of some kind because we have so many central midfielders. You know, whatever. But then what? You know, where do the goals come from? I guess would be my question. Because like, mm-hmm. yeah, the difficulty of having a star. You know, like I mean, think back to like Darwin Quintero. 
you know, well, let's drop Darwin. Yeah, there were games we needed to, but the problem was like Darwin could trot around for 75 minutes and just piss you off and then have a hat, have a hat trick within five minutes. And it's, it's like the potential, it's, I think the most annoying thing about even just strikers, right? In, in the, the sport is like the guy can be a ghost for 80 mm-hmm. minutes pop up two times in the 85th and the 88th score two goals and then suddenly be man of the match right. he's the hero <laughs> it's just yeah I don't, I don't know yeah so we have the midweek game tomorrow we're recording this on tuesday tomorrow night uh our first team is playing madison ford madison and uh whatever we're in the third round of the u.s open cup uh we're gonna see a new start we heard that today a new is starting down in madison and we'll see Tyler Miller and goal. I think those are the only two kind of first team people that we that we knew. I think we're expecting to see a lot of other two guys, um, kind of similar to what we saw on Sunday. I think. Um, do you think? Do you think this is a, an opportunity for Anu to really? Uh, obviously, it's an opportunity for Anu to make his mark and and kind of get the ball get rolling and and hopefully you know become something that he's not right now. Do you think he'll take that opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've ever shared my opinions on Adrian Unu, um, <laughs> but I think that the, uh, <laughs> I think it's a good like. If anything, this is a great opportunity, right? I mean, the the coolest thing for me about our club right now, and yeah, the naysayers will say, well, it's it's way too late, and you know, we didn't have an academy, and you know, all, all these different different critiques on the club. But the reality is, we now do have. You know, we have cup playback. We have um, a second team that's like a proper second team. Mm-hmm. Our academy is just competing down um, in Frisco. Like we, the the wheels are in motion to start having some developmental stuff. I mean, we were talking about this, and the the unfortunate nature would be without without MNUFC two is like those guys would be loaned out to San Antonio and then they'd be on a flight back to Minnesota and then they'd be meeting the team somewhere else. And like the idea of continuity just wasn't there where like the guys can still stay and train and be in the setup, be in contention, get games. Cause I mean, you need games. Yeah. I mean, I I can't imagine for like, you know, regardless of what I think about Unu and the way he fits on our team, I feel for the fact that the guy had to go play in the second team. But the flip side is we actually had a second team to let him go play in. So, I mean, he yeah. was able to step on the field, score a goal, get fitness, run around. I mean, if anything, run around, get the, right. get the legs underneath, you get match fitness. So, I mean, he is in contention then for a game that matters here coming up on the in midweek. Yeah, to have to, to have the ability to have, you know, Unu on the, a couple guys on the bench and then play the next day in, like a, in the second team is amazing. And then even Abu, like, played in the match but just, like, didn't get enough. That's huge, and I think it also just a lot. Like, it also can force the hand of Heath. Like, if Anu is scoring three goals every weekend in the two team, like you can't look, you can only look past that for so long, right? Like, and I don't think it'll prove to be that easy to really outdo the second team players. I think we've seen a couple people like, and honestly, I thought this. I thought like players like Justin McMaster and like for sure if Anu was in there, I thought it would be like pretty clear that there's a player who's out of place. You know, one of these things is not like the other. But I think the gap isn't quite as big as you would think it'd be. And I also think just the way the sport works, like it's hard for, it's not like basketball, you know, like it's hard for one player to truly make that big of a noticeable difference or to, without more supporting cast, look obviously better than the other players around him. Um, So I think we're going to see a lot of that too. But I do think it'll give players who aren't getting chance on the first team an opportunity to have performances that the first team coaching staff just can't look past. Well, and I mean, here's the deal. Amaria gets injured, what happens? 
I mean, mm-hmm. I have to believe yeah. Unu slots in up top, and Unu's the guy at that point in time. I mean, we can look all we want to, like, Dunlady's got minutes over him, and you can look at other things. I mean, you know my personal take. I'd love to see Lude back up top in that scenario. Yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. his, I think that's his best fit for us is just what he does up there and allows Reynoso to do, but that's a completely different story. Um, but if but if Amaria gets injured, we're, we're, it's Unu time, right? I mean, because I don't think him. what Dunlady is and what Dunlady brings. Dunlady's like, an off-the-bench, you know, theoretically pace, you know, whatever. Yeah. He, he's that. Um, I don't think Dunlady's our start guy. And I think, I, I mean, this, I was very vocal about this. I think Dunlady was a great signing for what we got him oh, for. for sure. I mean, for yep. what he does, he knows the club, he understands the club, he understands what's, what's expected. I mean, we forget sometimes that just understanding an area can be a big deal for a player. I mean, you know, you talked about the idea of Reynoso's family being in town and that maybe helping. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just the ability to have that. I mean, really, I hope, and I think most Minnesota United fans say, I say most with a cheeky grin, um, (laughs) hope that we go to Madison tomorrow and just absolutely batter them. But I'd love to see like a, you know, like an Unu hat trick. And, you know, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Jackson, you know, just rip it. I mean, it would be that great to give Heath some, some almost truthful selection headaches where it's like, this guy did it, did it. And he adds forward to Madison. And no disrespect, because I'm sure there are going to be people that try to you know come at the ideas of people saying this just forward Madison, but it's just forward Madison. Um, that argument might be there, but you know what? If you go out and you have a good showing, the game is the game. You, you make clean touches, you play quick, you play crisp. Um, that, that transfers. I mean, really, yeah. that's what you're looking well, for. Well, both you are watch, true, right? What's that? Yeah, both are true. I mean, that, both are true. That's why you play the games. I mean, yes, you're supposed to go beat a team that's lower than you. And when you look at the talent, I mean, it's the same thing with March Madness. Like, this, our team is better than their team. That's why their team are playing in the league that they're in. But that's why you play the games. I mean, what did we play totally. New Mexico in? We played New Mexico, whatever, three years ago in, like, very, very far into the tournament. So teams do it every year. And there's no reason to think that Ford Madison can't beat us. So we got to go down there and do our job but if we do our job yes there's no reason we can't beat them four or five to nothing well that's what makes it interesting too is i mean you look at like the majority of players like from an athletic standpoint especially you look in some of those those mid leagues you know you look usl and you look things like that like athletically level playing field you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times uh, i'm generalizing yeah. but i mean then you watch and it's it is interesting because you see you know that first touch is a little less crisp yeah. you know the pass to the player is maybe to the wrong foot which doesn't seem like it makes a huge deal until you see them have to take the extra touch or spin their body and the, you know, receive a little bit more sideways on than they would have had to otherwise. And it's a really interesting thing to start thinking about. Like, you know, like right now, Chicago's playing Union Omaha. You know, it's just you, you think about the difference in those two, <laughs> mm-hmm. everything about it, clubs, cities, play. I mean, Shakiri is, I'm sure he's in the building, not on the field. But like, you know, Shakiri is a, is a major, major player who's in that building with, I mean, guys that have graduated last year and weren't getting looks anywhere. Yeah, yeah I mean, really a lot of those thought. guys probably have another job, don't they? Yeah, some, I mean, when you start thinking about that, right? I mean, it's a yeah. whole different conversation, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's just interesting. I mean, you think about, what did, what did they say? Like the first years, and I'm assuming it's still comparable, Coleman was on like 60K? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you start. Like, I think it's probably, it might have been even less than that. I bet, I bet the new guys are on something like 66. Yeah. So... Yeah. yeah, I mean it's 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 what makes it fun though, right? I mean, like, yeah. I I will cheer for upsets in every other game except us, because <laughs> I obviously want us to win every game that we ever play. But yeah. um, the flip side is they can win. That's why you play. Like you said, you said it. it's so yeah. cliche, but it's amazing how often some of the sports cliches are true for a reason. Like it's why you play the game. Yeah. All right. Last question. Predictions. Let's get predictions of both Wednesday against. 
against Ford Madison, and then on the weekend against Chicago. Let's start with Madison, okay? Yep. It just seems what, to make what's sense. your prediction? First. Score prediction and who scores? Okay. For our team, you don't have to okay. do for their team. I don't know. I can't name a single player on their team. Yeah. Um, you go ahead. You go first. Okay, I'll start. I think. I think it's three one because three one. I think is this team all year has been has has landed somewhere that makes it very hard to say one way or another whether it was it was good or bad, and I think that a three one win is going to land us right in that spot where it's like, okay, like yeah, we beat them three one. Like they were never really in it, but also like they kind of were in it. So I say three one. I think Anu gets two, and I think uh, McMaster gets one. Nice. Without what do you, got? you know, w- without yeah, <laughs> without knowing who's playing, you know, we, we obviously know there was like a mix of regulars and you know Unu and a few other other guys. Like I said, I think I think Heath was was fielding a relatively strong team in the two game with the idea of you know one eye on Madison, getting some mm-hmm. fitness for some of those guys that are going to feature. Um, I think it's four. I think it's four zero. Okay. Four one. Maybe, full, yeah. but, it, but it's like a comfortable, sure. we, we beat you to death style. Um, I, think, I think Unu has at least two. I'm, I'm even okay. going to go Unu Hattrick. Oh. You'll love me for that. I'm going Unu Hattrick. That would be um, massive. And, and then I think the fourth is like, like I said, I'm really high on Jackson. I really oh, am. Yeah. I, hope, I hope he plays. I hope he's playing. Um, I just, he's a guy that I watch, and I'm just like, it's just it's hard because it's like you know my take on a lot of different things. I'm like I want I want a guy to bring an element to a team. You know what do you bring? Mm-hmm. That's been my my biggest Unu complaint after I say he's going to score a hat trick. But you know what what does he bring has always been my my unfortunate comment you've had to listen to. But like I watch Jackson play man and it's like especially some development, some time with the first team, some minutes around players who can also play. Um, assuming he's playing, he might be the fourth for me. Maybe maybe it's Unu too. He scores one in McMaster. Like you said, maybe McMaster yeah. scores another. I don't know. All right. So many variables, right? Because, I mean, yeah. are they going to play us straight up? Are they going to park the bus? I know nothing about them as a team this year. I watched mm-hmm. a little bit of their game the other day when yeah. they were playing Union Omaha, but, like, took nothing from it. Right. <laughs> All right, uh, Chicago. I say nil-nil. I don't think anyone scores. Chicago has been so stout defensively, and that goalie they got is a maniac. Um, but I also am not really scared of them scoring. You know, I don't think Shakiri is like really settled in yet, and I think we're playing well defensively. I think we'll probably see O'Neill Fisher, which I'm excited about. Um, because with Will Trap out, I would think we would play O'Neill Fisher outright and move Dotson in, unless they're going to put Rosales there. Um, either way, I think I think it's a nil-nil snooze fest. Honestly, that, that's like its own conversation, right? Like. I think if anything in this team, the biggest conversation is actually like central midfield because it kind of comes down to me like how high do we rate Rosales? Like, like I really wish when when Heath plays this four three three, like I wish it was an actual four three three, like in, mm-hmm. in like a traditional sense where like you know pick pick away right, like attack or defend out of it. But seeing Rosales play this weird hybrid scenario that he got thrown into was that Austin? Was that just Austin? Yep. Yeah, it was. I think it like, was. I don't know. How high are we? I mean, obviously we love Dotson and we want Dotson to play, and I think Heath will play Dotson there. It all kind of comes down to, I think, how confident he is. I mean, he played Dotson on the right recently. I mean, is that partially because he just wants Dotson on the field? Like, is it just mm-hmm. he's that important to us? Or, like, is he yeah. better? Is, is he a better fullback than a guy who traditionally plays fullback? You know what I'm saying? 
Because yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty on high on O'Neill Fisher too. I like him. Like, I, he, I think I it comes down to, like, I think it's like a big, I think it's a big, like, you know, like picture you're, you're like bored with all the wires going back and forth. It's like Dotson is better at right back than Will, than like, than like Will Trap is better at being in the six at like, you know, like it's better to have Will Trap in the six and Dotson in the right than to have one of them not on the field. If Will but if, Trap's the salt shaker, then... Yeah, right, exactly. But I think if Will Trap's not on the field, I do think O'Neill Fisher goes out on the right side, unless he plays a bunch on Wednesday. Maybe he's a big part of our plans here on, in Madison, uh-uh. and in which case maybe we will put Rosales in uh, where Trap usually Honestly, is. Honestly, I'm also wondering, like, you know, when they say a mix of first-team players, like, I almost wonder if knowing that Rosales has been coming off the bench traditionally, like, it, you know, the, the the Wednesday, Saturday, there are so many, and this is a cool thing of a reality of where we're at, I think, is, like, there's so many cool opportunities to what we could do as a team, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we, we haven't had this, which is a really weird thing, because it's like, Rosales could easily play central midfield on uh, tomorrow, already, man, tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and then still sub on Saturday. Yeah. Like, what, so, like, we have those those in the back of our mind, too, where it's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe Dotson is potentially off the bench on Saturday. Maybe maybe Dotson's playing tomorrow, but in his preferred position of like central midfield right. to like push. Her. I mean, there are just so many cool. Well, the other interesting thing now is now you have a group of guys who are used to playing with each other too. I mean, that second team has now played four games together, whatever. Like, how much is it better to just leave them as is because they they're better at working with each other than trying to like all of a sudden put you know. Rosales in there who hasn't played a minute with the second team if and they I have no my, idea what the hell he's doing my only concern and, and concern isn't even the right word because that's too strong um my only concern going into tomorrow is actually like who plays center back like like what for, what for pairing does he roll with I guess is my question because like you know he's been playing Nabi in the six mm-hmm. which is great and I, and I like that role for him but like tomorrow does he roll out Coleman and Mm. Montgomery like does that's it, true you know, what, what do you when you, this whole idea of like mixing and then like also yeah. where you're you see it all the time in like cup competitions like abroad right domestic cups where like a big team will play it's basically second team youth guys whatever but then all of a sudden there's this oh crap moment of like oh, oh no you know you go back to the you know they are who they thought they were but they're not um because <laughs> I just had to reference that for you um <laughs> But where, I don't know, it comes, they'll have scouted, like I said, I, yeah. I know so little about Ford Madison this year and like how they are, who they have, how they play, whatever, that it's like, you're basically coming down to like, where, where are they at talent wise in comparison to like where we feel comfortable? Because I mean, there would be nothing worse, I think for us as a team this year than to go out in this round. Oof. You know, that lots of things be, worse, yeah. but I mean like in the yeah. development of things, like it's such a nice thing to have this, even if it's three or four games, even if we go out, you know, in, in the second of our rounds or whatever, that's still a real opportunities at games for players that aren't getting games. Yep. Yeah. All right. You haven't said your Chicago prediction yet. I'm with you that I think it's going to be like relatively drab, but I think it's like 2-0 us, 1-0 us. All right. Because I don't think they can score. I mean, yeah. you know, they'll go, they'll light us up for five now or something stupid. But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think they haven't been scoring. You know, defensively we're pretty sound. Um, one zero and yeah, two zero. One of them's maybe like a penalty. We'll get our first penalty. Yeah. I don't know. Would that be our first of the year? No, no, no we had one other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's a good. That's a good help. Yeah, maybe a penalty. So I'm thinking like two uh, zero. Sure. One of our goals is a penalty, and the other one's okay. late. So it's gonna feel gross the whole time. <laughs> I look forward to it. Well, David, thank you for stepping in 
Yeah, we really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure Grant will listen and have plenty of notes for you. Can't wait. All right. So as promised by popular demand, popular vote, long awaited, we are pleased, honored to be joined by Mika Nervik. Mika, welcome. Hi. We're sitting in our kitchen at our dining room table. This is the first time I've ever done this podcast in person with anyone. So it's very strange to be talking to you not only talking to you, but talking to someone in person while doing this. I know. I feel like this is more awkward than like our first date was. <laughs> well, I was responsible for the awkwardness on first date, and this more awkwardness is on you this time, I think. Should we tell people about our first date? I don't think anyone's tuning into the podcast <laughs> to listen to our first date, no. But if you ever want to hear the first date story, do not hesitate to ask. All right, Mika, let's get into it. How do you feel about the season so far? I think this year is is really interesting because it feels like even in moments where we're winning, it feels like we're losing, like the energy's not there. Like, I don't know, like after that, that, um, that go-ahead goal for Minnesota United last weekend, it felt like nobody really cared, like, because it almost was like a mistake or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to the team hopefully ramping it up to where it's like, an expectation that we win games it's not as much a surprise mm-hmm. right now it feels like just such a huge win to to barely scrape by so so what do we need to do to get to a point where because i agree i said the same thing when we scored on saturday when you th- when when robin lude scored on saturday to go up by one mm-hmm. in the 70th minute i was not overly joyed because i was already annoyed with how we played to that point and i was not confident that we were gonna still win right so I'm with you on that. What do we need to do to get to a point where we feel confident we're going to win? Because the expectation is that we're going to win. That's why it's disappointing when we don't, right? Our team is good enough. Mm-hmm. So what do we need? What's going to help us get to that level where we truly feel confident we can go in and win every game? Um, I think that's the, whatever they're doing at the Minnesota Wild, they should do like a collaboration or they do like a... Some sort of Maybe brainstorming get, of team energy. Get Kaprizov in there. Yeah, yeah, get Kaprizov or, or I don't know, it's it's really interesting. I think it's always like, you know, oh, do they need to do more subs? Do they need to shake up the lineup? Like, what needs to be done to, to make change? Um, and sometimes it's like, you know, yeah, it's like a chemistry thing. Like, what's going on? But I don't know. The reason I'm saying that is because I'm a big energy person, and I feel like when you're watching the game versus watching like the wild game this year like you can just tell those guys are having so much fun Mm. like they're just having a blast so i think that would produce better results so maybe they should go to like top golf together or something we need a team outing a team outing yeah Yeah, a sleepover yeah like a pasta feed or something all right let's shift what is the best stadium food at allianz field oh the best food at allianz field oh gosh um well, aside from walking in myself to the brew hall for a vodka soda splash of crayon, mm-hmm. when I'm on my way there, I'm a huge stan of the Brasa Burrito. Like, okay. huge stan. They have this sauce. It's like a creamy dill sauce. Like, I would leave you for the sauce. <laughs> like, I love that sauce. Like, I don't know. Like, it's not a ranch. 
and it's not a like a aioli. It's it's like the best combination of those two things. Okay. And if you ask for two, though, they say no. Well, I mean, they gotta put their draw line somewhere. Yeah, they say we're gonna run out. I'm like, I'll pay for it, and they're like, still. How no. much is the burrito? Oh, it was nineteen dollars and eighteen cents. Yeah, that's a serious price. <sighs> I know. So I'm just like. And that's that's a separate conversation itself, right? Stadium pricing and, and things like that. I think having been on the the business side of it for so long, those things don't tend to bother me as much because I understand there's a lot of factors at play. And if everybody had an ideal world, yes, we'd be selling $3 beers and $2 hot dogs and whatever. I mean, man, do you remember when they used to do those dollar hot dogs at TCF? Yeah, was... dollar dog nights. That was a great Is that what it was called? Yeah. Oh, man. All right, what's the worst food you've had at Allianz? Uh, or you've seen and decided that's crazy, I'm not going to oh, get that. Oh, man. I, um, I, a couple of times, I say a couple because it's happened to me more, more than once, eaten the pizza where it's been, like, not cooked all the way through. Like, like pizza dough. And, I mean, it's not going to hurt you. Like, I mean, don't quote me. I don't know. Maybe it will <laughs> hurt you. I have no idea. But it's like... It's not like it's uncooked meat or something. Um, but biting into like pizza dough when you're expecting like a hot pizza, that kind of is, is has been interesting. It's the risky take with the pizza. I mean, they're slinging those pizzas. They yeah. got, what are those, like seven bucks a slice? That's, I mean, that might be the biggest bang for your buck in the stadium, honestly. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge slice of pizza for sure. Um, but I think as far as best food goes, I'm, I'm really a fan of what they're doing to highlight different local businesses mm. this year in that um, I think they're calling it like street fair pop-ups mm. um, and they're like rotating restaurants through it. So like, um, you know, like Ingram's who own um, Hope Breakfast Bar, they own the Gnome, that sort of thing. Um, they were had those rainbow pancakes last weekend that everybody loves from Hope Breakfast Bar. I had never seen those before. It, they were just there for last weekend. That's why. But I didn't. I didn't see them. There. I saw it on Twitter. They were there, and I was like, "What?" Well, you don't go on the west side of yeah, the stadium that way, really. There, yeah. It's over here, yeah, kind of by the premium entry, is where they have that that showcase spot. And I just think that's a really cool way to highlight local businesses. Um, I just, yeah, I think that it's always great. And on, I mean, soccer fans love supporting local, right? And mm-hmm. so I think it's a really fun piece. And what did we have? What did I have a couple of weeks ago? I mean, just we lived by Abrasa for how many? For two years, and we only went like one time. But now that I know this dill sauce exists, like <laughs> I'm at Abrasa like at least once a month. So I think it's it's a really easy way for businesses to kind of get plugged in with the community. So. All right, I got two more questions for you. Yeah. And then now that you have your own questions yeah. that you had tapped into your. Twitter sphere yeah, for yeah, so yeah. to start. Yeah. Tomorrow night, Minnesota United is playing Ford Madison. Yeah. We already know that Adrian Unu is going to start, and Tyler Miller's in goal. We're going to have a few of the first team players in there and some second team players. What's your score prediction and who scores for our team? Man, score prediction Ford Madison. Um, I know people love watching Ford Madison. I still have FOMO from when we didn't go on that trip with Zach and Alan to Ford Madison like a couple years ago. Remember that? Where they ended up on a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, we just didn't go. And like, we just, we should have done that. Um, Because I know it's going to be a really fun game. I'm really bummed it's on a weeknight. Um, I really wish we could have made it work. Um, But as far as a score prediction goes, I'm thinking... 
Ooh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking we're going to see something interesting with Minnesota United in the Open Cup. I think we're going to see a mix, like Heath said, of first team and alternative players. Is that what they're called? Alternative players? Second team players. Second team players. Okay, we're going to see the starters, right? Yep. And we're going to see some of the... Starters? Some of the starters. Okay. I think we're going to sprinkle in some starters. Like who? Um, I think that we're going to see, I mean, and starter, like, like they said, maybe we'd see Chase Gasper. Like, I guess he's technically uh, a starter. He's going to, okay. Tyler yep. Miller, he essentially could be a starter. Like, sure. So we're going to see some first team yep. Yep. ish players. Um, and then we're going to see somebody, you know, like Adrian new obviously in there, whatever. I think that Minnesota United's going to make a strong open cup run. I okay. feel very strongly about it. I think it's really interesting. So we'll see they what happens. It. They need it. And I think tomorrow, I think they're going to win 5-1. to one. Whoa! I think they're going to put it to Ford Madison. I think it's going to be 5-1, and I think this is a really strong hot take. I think we're going to see a hat trick from Adrian Nunu. Really? I think he deserves... I don't think he wants to. I think he deserves to put it to Heath. Okay. That's fair. All right. Then on Saturday... It's going to be a beautiful... Well, it might be raining, but it's going to be warm up. Yeah. We play in Chicago. Mm-hmm. What's the score on Saturday? And if there's goals scored by us, who scores them? Man, here's another hot take. I love Francisco Calvo. Whoa. <laughs> we have to unpack that. Why? So I'm really looking forward to seeing Calvo play. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's funny, like... Again, having worked for the club, you you form relationships with season ticket members. And if Ellen was here, she would say the same, that, you know, some just stand out to you a little bit more than others. I had a member who, he just absolutely loved Francisco Calvo. They're from the same city. He he had a flag that he would hold up at every game, and Calvo would, like, point to him and whatever. And so when I just, like, saw, like, every game, Calvo, like, making this effort to make one of my season ticket members feel like, hey, I see you, like, thanks for bringing that. I just always thought that was really cool, and it always, like, stuck with me. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, I honestly am just excited for the warm weather. I hope it doesn't rain. I have a sick pair of sunglasses lined up for Saturday. So score aside, those are going to be on fire. Okay. Um, I think, I don't know. I think we'll be lucky if we can win again two in a row. I think maybe a tie. Maybe okay. we'll sneak out with a one-goal lead, like a, okay. like a one nothing really, like, Ooh, we barely got out of there. Who scores if we do if we do win with nothing? Not Robin Lude, I think. Robin Lude with another one. With one, okay. yeah. All right, that's mm-hmm. a good. That's a good. That's that was similar to what David and I said. Oh, he said that. Yep. Oh, David was on here. Yep. Oh, good. All right. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we get into the questions that you have collected? No. All right. No, I don't think so. Let's get into it. So. Matt, J Photo, our boy Matt. Matt, we love you. Why do MLS teams not take the Open Cup seriously? I don't think that's true. I think an MLS team has won it almost every single, every time in the modern era and almost every time overall. I think it's like any tournament that's like outside the league, like you do your best to win with as little effort early on as you can. Like you're not going to, you're not going to go out there and run out your first team because they, you don't need to, and you've got other games to worry about. So I think that some teams take it more seriously than ours. I think yeah. I agree with you. I think we'll be up there of, of the teams that take it the most seriously because we need something. Yeah. And I think the other teams who 
a team that's in the in the run for the supporter shield is, is less likely to take it seriously than a team who yeah. is in need of something to show that they're taking steps in the right direction. Right, right. And it's like, is it injury provoking? Like, right. who knows? I mean, it's extra games, right, on top of an already pretty condensed i mean it's not like hockey where it's you know they're playing every other night or every three nights but it's a pretty condensed schedule they're playing two or three Mm -hmm. games a week or whatever um so i think you just try and win with as little effort until you get to a point where you decide if you're going to start really going for it yeah well i think too with minnesota united specifically in the open cup there's not a lot of guys left over but there's some guys who got that taste of the open cup in 2019 right Mm -hmm. 2019 is when that was right oh god what is time anymore i honestly don't remember it was definitely 2019 i was there okay it was so fun i sat right next to my girl casey in the front row of the upper deck um also another hot take atlanta united's like I love that stadium. I know it's a football stadium. Don't care from a sports, professional sports background. It's it's a beautiful stadium. So um, that was a really fun experience that we got to do. So um, I also think too, it's like, does the ML, do MLS teams not take it seriously or does the MLS not take it seriously? Like you definitely don't see the amount of marketing behind it like you do for any other game. Um, and I th- well, it's not theirs. Right, but it's like the same way that like your company would definitely support one of your products, right? Like these are all of their mm. products participating in something. That's true. So from a marketing perspective, it's like not promoting some of your brands Okay, is what I think. So That's interesting. Yeah. So anyways, we'll, we'll move along. Um, Ellen asked <laughs> what... My favorite MNUFC tradition on a match day is both away and home. Okay. So my first, so you you go first actually. I think yours would be interesting. What's your favorite MNUFC home and away? Away tradition, tradition would be meeting up with other supporters from the city that you're in. That's just a fun way to get together and there's a camaraderie because everyone kind of just wants to see the league go do well. Um, although we've kind of gotten away from that, I think that like the pandemic kind of broke that and I don't know that it'll ever come back again. Um, I'm just a big fan of going to away days and just whatever group you're with the night before, just hanging out and knowing that whatever fun happens that night, that's not even the reason you're there. And there's always the next day that's going to be even better. So that's fun. Home traditions. Um, this year I've been a real sucker for the brew hall afterwards. I gotta say, we used to not do that at all. And this year we've gotten into a habit the last two years, really, of that's pretty much the norm. And it's definitely not the cheapest habit because the beers are still a little expensive. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to be back in there with the buzz and people, kind of everyone like-minded. We got in the foosball table last time. That was fun. Uh, so that's up there. Otherwise, just in general, the whole thing, the whole ritual, the pregame, getting on the light rail, heading over, the excitement of watching the warm-ups, you know, the whole thing, really. Yeah. Do you like watching the warm-ups? I love watching the warm-ups. I feel like you don't usually, we don't usually watch the warm-ups. Uh, you don't watch the warm-ups. I watch the warm-ups. That's because I'm making my social rounds. But you got to get that $19 burrito. <laughs> get my $19 <laughs> burrito and my sauce. Um, I would say my favorite home tradition, well, maybe away. Um, you know, we've done several away trips together. We did an away trip not together where we ended up together. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Nicholas and Ellen. Um, but I think my favorite away tradition, yeah, it's just learning more about the other soccer, like cultures and friends and like how, 
how their different groups work and things that are important to them. And that was so fun when we played futsal um, in, in Portland. Portland. Yep. That was really fun. That's true. I should do that. That's my away tradition. Playing soccer. We, we organized a futsal tournament. Or actually not a football. It was just it's, a game, yeah. It's a... Well, no, but we 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 have oh, a trophy, top, and we've been going back yeah. and forth with the Portland Timbers fans. Yeah, that's right. Oh, at least we were pre-pandemic. We haven't done it in a while, but that was fun. Yeah, yeah, and then we played it here. That one here at Lodonium, it was yeah. like 112 degrees, so hot. Yes. <laughs> um, funny. So then my and my favorite home one is in I I don't know. Maybe he can show up in the comments how it started. It was probably because I was being annoying and trying to get attention, but. For some reason, Zach and I have this thing where, like, I always carry his megaphone to the stadium. It's, like, turned into a thing where, like, when we leave Dual Citizen to go to the game, he'll be like, hey, the thing. Or I'll be like, hey, give me the thing. By thing, I mean megaphone. But I think it's just it's just fun. I think it's those little things. It reminds me of when, you know, I played hockey in college. And there's so many, like, small superstition things that you do and whatnot. And I thought that that was just because I you know, was really into sports. Now I learned this because I have OCD, but... What was your biggest is. superstition when you were getting ready in college before a game? Oh, um... Left sock first? Yeah, it was definitely a, do... a left side first and then right side. One time somebody told me that the right side of your body is, like, associated with the devil. <laughs> I, I don't even know. Somebody said one time. It's one of those things you hear and you're like, nope, not for me. Yeah. So I always committed to, <laughs> to doing the left side first and then the right side. Um... I wonder who told me that. But yeah, I mean, you see a lot of players come onto the field and like the first two steps is with their left foot or with their right foot or yeah. that might be the same reason. Yeah, I don't know. But um, no, uh, a lot of good, a lot of different things. Um, some of them are too embarrassed to share. So Yeah, that's probably good. <laughs> um, okay, last question that I've written down and then I've prepared a few from myself. Oh boy, all right. Um, the first one is from another one, from, not the first one, another one from David. Any Minnesota United specific nods in the upcoming wedding? No. No. End no, no, no. End of question. It's not a question. It's a statement. Yeah. Um, I think it's so funny we both say no. Um, and I love people that have incorporated it into their wedding. Like, it's so special that it's special to them. And obviously, Minnesota United is so special to us because that's how we met. Um, but I think what people don't know about us is like, we talk so much about soccer and whatever on Twitter, but it really is such a small portion of our lives and what we do and blah, blah, blah. So, um, no, I mean, maybe we have that Jersey. We're maybe going to have people sign. I just feel like that's a nod. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I think my closing remarks in general is... That one time, and I think this is really just something that everybody needs to hear. It's a piece of advice that I had given to me one time that I individually give to a lot of people. But I feel like since I have a platform today, I'm going to share it. One time when I was in college, our assistant athletic director, who there's no way he's listening, but shout out to Billy Mecca if he's out there listening for some reason. He used to do this speech at the beginning of every college season, and he would say, like, there's two things you can control, how good of a person you are and how hard you work. And those are just two things that I live by. And I feel like sometimes in in the soccer culture, like, people can just be so mean to each other. And I think people, I really live by the, you forget what people say, forget what people do, but you don't forget how people make you feel type thing. 
And I think that people just need to be nice to one another. And we would have a more fun. <laughs> Should I run for president that's, now? <laughs> that's, that's as good a closing remarks as any. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Mika. It was long overdue. I actually had a horrible time. <laughs> well, all right. We at least gave you the option. <laughs>